Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. Today, I'm cleaning out my closet and making sure that nobody steals my love letters while we discuss the 2018 Netflix hit to all the boys I've loved before. Quite quite a title there, but this is the first movie on the 50 best rom-coms list that we've covered that did not release in theaters. It comes in at number 49 and is one of the more modern selections on this list. It's fair to say that this movie was made for a younger generation, so I'm glad to welcome back returning guest Cameron Olbert and to give me uh, a different perspective. I, I, I didn't quite know what... Well, first off, how are you, Cameron? I am well. It is 10.07 where I, where I live, so I've had a full day of reading about uh, the Civil War in Ethiopia for my final exam, so I'm delighted to talk about something slightly uh, happier <laughs> or lighter. Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite a quite a different uh, subject matter. So, mm-hmm. um, I I didn't know what pin, uh, what generation to pinpoint you in. Are you uh, like you're not millennial, right? Are you younger than that? I I am very much culturally Generation Z. Uh, okay, the vanguard of Gen Z, in my opinion. Okay, okay. Uh, well, just a little background on this movie before I I think you'll 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 bring some good perspective to that and maybe how this movie uh, speaks to your generation, but. To All the Boys I've Loved Before came out in 2018. It's an American teen romantic comedy film directed by Susan Johnson and is written by Sofia Alvarez. The film stars Lana Condor and Noah Centineo and is based on Jenny Han's 2014 novel of the same name. It was released by Netflix on August 17th of 2018. It's the first installment that uh, of the series and uh, is, it was followed by two sequels to All the Boys Yes, I still love you. Released on February twelfth, twenty twenty, and then to all the boys, always and forever, on February twelfth, two thousand twenty-one. This is a good time to cover the movie because Netflix is actually releasing a television series, Exo Kitty, which is set to premiere on May eighteenth. So instead of the movie, it's going to be a spinoff series uh, created by Jenny Han, who wrote the original novel, and it marks this as the first time Netflix has made a television series based off of one of its original films. (laughs) So uh, Han is serving as the writer and executive producer, in addition to being a showrunner. Uh, It'll feature Kitty Covey going on her own journey to find true love, who is the younger sister in this movie, and is going to be played by the same actress. You had mentioned this movie, Cameron. One, because... You're in uh, you're in uh, university in Scotland, and the uh, main character's older sister goes off to Scotland. But yes. uh, had you seen the movie before that tie-in? I, I had, yes. My friend Dora, who also goes to college in Scotland, whom I also met through youth and government, um, showed this to me uh, in 2020, and so we became slightly obsessed with this movie together because we were all we were we were both applying to university in Scotland, so. Uh, it was it was a delightful rewatch after about three years of um, I would it would always sort of pop up in the back of my mind on occasion for the silliest of reasons um, and so I was delight delighted to sit back down and rewatch it again and think oh dear this is an interesting movie <laughs> so when you say obsessed what does that mean exactly like did you had at that time when it came out did you watch it more than one time no I don't believe no. I did it was just that she and I would just immediately start making references to the movie left, right, and center. Uh, so, and I, oh yes, and Noah Centineo on his Instagram, he went slightly silly 
uh, in the aftermath of this movie, he would put, I don't know if you've heard of like the live, laugh, love memes or whatever. I, uh, that, that does sound somewhat familiar. He would post that type of stuff on his Instagram for a while. And we just ate that up. <laughs> uh, did you, so did you watch the, the sequels of, uh, these, these movies? We actually did watch the sequel. We watched the first one. Um, mm -hmm. I don't recall if Thor and I watched it together or not, but yes, I watched the sequel once, uh, which was about my favorite character of the movie, John Ambrose. Um, and then as a joke, Dora bought me all three books of the, all three of the original books. And I don't oh. recall if I still have those or not. But yes. <laughs> well, um, I I definitely watched this movie when it came out because I remember it, it kind of got uh, it definitely garnered some buzz for whatever reason. And um, I looked back; I hadn't written a review, but um, I was pretty I, I was I I was favorable uh, when it originally came out, like um, my kind of little diary entry that I do on Letterbox. And so, anyway, I would say the second time for me. But honestly, second, watching this the second time was almost like the first time. I, I know between 2023 and 2018 is not that much time, but I guess it was mm -hmm. enough time for me to not remember a whole lot about this movie. And so, oh, yeah. but I, I'll say, I, I, I like, I, I enjoyed this movie uh, very much. I um, now that said, I, I think maybe it's not. I don't think it's a spectacular <laughs> movie, but not, yes. but, but it's also not trying to be that it's a, it's a pretty grounded film. And, uh, and, and I mean this in a good way, actually a simple film. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, so I would go, I was going around with my friends and the pubs and such earlier, uh, this week saying, Oh yeah, I'm going to go on this podcast and talk about to all the boys I've loved before. And all my friends would be like, that movie is so cringy. And I would say, yes, that's the idea. <laughs> um, I think, the word, two words I would use to describe this movie are delightfully cringy uh, in many ways, uh, in ways that I make it, in my opinion, a rather fun watch. It's a little bit of a okay. comfort movie, I think. Yeah. When you say cringy, what do you, why do you, why use that word? Oh, there's just some scenes in that movie where I would watch it and think, oh my, I am feeling secondhand embarrassment. Like uh, <laughs> in the entire climax scene, where there's the confrontation at Christmas when um, Laura Jean's sister returns and she's having that confrontation with Noah Centineo outside and then Josh walks up right as um, the older sister walks outside and there's just a massive misunderstanding and the the, the pure secondhand, the suffering that I went through rewatching that scene was... <laughs> I really like Laura Jean's character because you don't see many characters like her um, even though this plot is kind of maybe not quite what would really happen in real life, but I think her character is someone you would come across uh, quite often, someone who's more quiet, who's more reserved. And so mm -hmm. I think it pays off in those <laughs> cringy scenes <laughs> because her character is almost so grounded in reality that when those moments happen, it kind of adds an extra layer <laughs> that oh, yeah. you're not. Yeah. It's very believable. It's sometimes things just happen to Lara Jean, and it's she does it. The, the actress does an extraordinary job of portraying the oh god, how did it come to this? Uh, that I think is a centerpiece of a lot of the drama of this movie. Yeah. So you said the sequel uh, it focuses on uh, the Josh character. Is that what you said? 
No, it focuses on John Ambrose, the by far the greatest boy that she has ever loved before. Oh, and I have my okay. I'm proud to delve into that. Okay, so which which one is that as far as the John, letters go? John Ambrose is the character who she met at Model UN at fifth in fifth grade. And as the newly elected president of Edinburgh University Model United Nations, I will declare that it is a crime that John Ambrose features in only the briefest of cameos in this movie. Yet right, it is right. one of the cameos in this movie. So he's the one that shows up at the very end of the credits. Yeah, the he's the one that shows up at the very end of the front door with the flowers and the whatever. And they she just like slams the door in his face. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, like like I mentioned, and it's like it's a movie. Uh, in some regards, it uh, the five love letters obviously is the catalyst that gets the whole thing going. But, you know, they quickly kind of do that and then just get into the story and the relationships of it all. So even though the letters are kind of a little gimmicky, they really don't focus it on those that much. Um, and so I, that's one thing that I liked about it. I think the only the, there's a couple of scenes throughout the whole movie that kind of seem out of place than the rest. Cause they're trying to kind of fill in some plot points. Uh, like it's, the scene I'm thinking of towards the end is when, like when he, di she discovers that her younger sister is the one that sent the letters out and they just have this weird fight. That seems more like it came from a, a sitcom <laughs> from Nickelodeon than it did the movie. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's something that has to be resolved. But I felt like all the other in between, uh, between moments are, uh, yeah, I think pretty captivating and uh, uh, pretty sincere, but it, it kind of remind me, I don't know. <laughs> did you ever see the movie from the 90s? She's all that. Uh, Nathan, something you're going to learn about me is that I've seen very few movies that most <laughs> other people have seen. Uh, my girlfriend will attest to this. Uh, so I'm afraid I have not seen She's All That. <laughs> okay, well... Basically, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is in that movie, and then the main girl character in that. And other movies have made fun of this premise because she's like this artsy girl that like wears glasses, and it's like when she takes the glasses off, all of a sudden she's like this like beautiful wonder, you know. And to me, That's this movie wonderful. almost this movie kind of almost made me think of that. I mean, uh, Laura Jean doesn't really change anything about herself, which I like in this movie, but it yeah. is kind of one of those like, oh, now the popular boy sees her for who she really is it kind of has a similar concept to that but this, this movie embraces a great deal of the sort of archetypes or tropes of uh of rom-coms in particular of teenage rom-coms uh, in a somewhat loving way though which i which i do appreciate yeah it also has a running narrative i've noticed in a lot of these rom-coms that we've been watching that most of them usually reference another rom-com in some way or another. And this one references 16 candles. I, I think one thing that it, it does well in this movie is that, um, I mean, even though Peter uh, gets uh, the main spotlight, I mean, it's really about him and Laura Jean. And I feel like, you know, Josh is kind of in and out a little bit. Um, mm. But um, I think they did a good job of like, you do. I mean, I, I guess I'll ask you, I mean, I thought, that you end up liking Peter, uh, like, like you can see why Laura Jean starts falling for him. Uh, I couldn't mm -hmm. help but think that uh, Josh kind of gets the short end of the stick a little bit. But uh, is that a great debate that hap that happens around this movie? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean Peter becomes rather a, a, a himbo character to bother borrow a youth term. Um, you know, very a bit dumb but respectful of women at the end of the day. Uh, which is the essence of, of him bonus. 
Uh, yeah, Josh as a character is rather underdeveloped, given her his like long history with Lara Jean and being friends with her before he then started dating her older sister, which has to have been an awkward arrangement in and of itself. But it would have been perhaps a little bit interesting to see a bit more of him. Like, I don't even recall if he goes to school with her or not. I, I, I think he does, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. He, yeah, I guess he does. He, he You see him in the distance in the hallways and he even made reference at the end when Peter like calls out that photograph that's on her locker. You know, he was yeah. like, well, that was, that was cool that he did that. But I kind of, I like the, I like the little robbery that's between them even though mm. they don't interact very much on a daily basis. That's very much, I think kind of a guy thing of just like, I just really don't like that guy, but uh, you just don't, you just don't interact with that guy at all. <laughs> but I like how he just hates him almost just because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that as well. I, it's not doing anything like crazy new. I mean, there's always been a lot of these movies, um, even though I never read the books or uh, saw the movies, but like something like twilight where, the girl is forced to choose between two guys. Uh, it mm. reminds me, we watched a Amazon series, I think also based on a YA, YA novel, um, the summer I turned pretty. And it's very much, very similar. It's like, you have this main character who it was like, used to be the quiet girl and she's popular all of a sudden. And she basically chooses between these two brothers that are uh, like polar opposites. You know, this is, <laughs> this is something that comes up a lot in rom-coms huh. and stuff like that. But um, it's it, it's always intriguing for whatever reason. So yeah, did Laura Jean's father look familiar to you at all, uh, John Corbett? You know what? Slightly, yes. There was a a vague something ringing in my bell, ringing in the ears there, but I couldn't tell you exactly what it was that was ringing in my ears. Yeah, so he he's been he's in been, been in lots of stuff. Uh, it's funny we actually we've been watching uh, the sitcom on Hulu, How I Met Your Father, and he just did a guest appearance on there. But he's in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, I think he was also a big a big character in uh, Sex okay. in the City and stuff. But I just had to throw out there that I enjoyed seeing him. He's he's never somebody who really like deviates from his personality very much. But he's just always he's just a solid character. He just kind of reigns everything in. <laughs> Sex in the City, or not Sex in the City, um, um, my big fat Greek wedding was, is the reference point that I had for him. I, I remember now, my mother showed me that movie a while back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, another thing I liked about this movie, I, I thought it had very uh, genuine moments of dialogue. Uh, I thought especially for a quote-unquote, quote-unquote teen movie, Usually I, you feel like we just recently watched 10 things I hate about you. And that's a movie that like really moves. It's like going all the time. And I feel like this movie actually uh, succeeds because it kind of rests in these moments, you know, even when uh, Laura Jean and uh, Peter are like uh, working on the contract, uh, you know, the, those type of scenes, but uh, was that something that you picked up on at all? Yeah. In particular, I, I enjoyed the, moments of Lara Jean and at least in one scene, Peter reflecting on their parents uh, and on the underlying sort of theme of, of losing a parent. For a teen movie, that's a rather strong emotional or rather strong emotional subject to try to tackle. And the fact that they're able to, and it shows these characters connecting around that shared, that shared experience is something I got to give this movie props for. And then also talking to Lara Jean in the in the diner, talking to her dad about missing her mom. 
uh, and her dad opening up and sharing about when they were when they were dating, because we don't, you know, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily get a lot of. I still don't know a lot of like how my parents like courtship wins. So mm-hmm. those rather tender moments of connection, I think, were an interesting and beneficial addition to the movie that I I, I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah, I, no, yeah. I like really heavy movies. I mean, I want to talk about All Quiet on the Western Front with you at some point. So, <laughs> yeah, once again, uh, yeah, completely different subject matter. Uh, I feel like uh, I I didn't look up necessarily like what the budget was for this movie or that sort of thing, but it's also a movie you can very much uh, tell it had to rest its laurels on just the story and the dialogue and the characters because it's not necessarily that something that seems like a extremely high budget type of movie i i even thought about when they go on the ski trip it's just kind of funny like we we usually it's something higher budgeted i think you would see like kids skiing and all this kind of stuff we don't ever see that they're, they're pretty much just at that cabin you know the whole time <laughs> so yeah, this is a ski lodge which by the way i had completely forgotten about that entire sequence and I appreciate as well that it just happens entirely within the confines of that lodge, which I also was wondering in my head sequentially, when in the year are they doing this? Because I was following the the movie. I suppose it was in like mid, like early January before they went back to school, but like just barely before they went back to school. I was trying to like yeah. put together a timeline in my head throughout the entire movie, but that's a separate discussion perhaps. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I know this movie had the title cards, you know, to kind of designate these, you know, this time and everything. And uh, I guess especially when her sister kind of returns and with Christmas and that sort of thing. But yeah. yeah, I did. I did get a little I did get a little lost in that. Uh, sometimes you can see big designations of the weather outside to, you know, kind of place such things. But yeah, in this one. I don't know why. Yeah, I wasn't quite as concerned as the time frame of everything. So, yeah. One thing I, I think that just sits on me when I watch kind of more modern rom-coms like this. And uh, certainly when it comes to like bullying and that sort of thing is always the presence of cameras. So, you know, they take this picture of her and Peter in the hot tub or whatever. And uh, man, I, I just have to say, like for your your generation, I mean, I'm I'm just glad that's not something I had to ever worry about as a <laughs> as a teen of like video recordings being out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, growing up myself, I dated outside of my high school class and uh, pretty much exclusively, so I never was necessarily worried about that sort of thing happening. Nor did I ever really know of anyone of that happening to anyone. Um, I mean, I'm I know that that sort of thing does happen. Uh, I don't. I can't say that at least in my time in high school, when that was a major like concern or worry. Uh, in my high school, people tended to keep you know mind their own business, and that and it was a rather cosmopolitan kumbaya environment. But yeah, I mean, keeping like you know the, the whole digital privacy thing is something that is in the forefront of a lot of our minds uh, and I can go more into that, but yeah, you know, it's sort of, um, I don't know that's even necessarily a conscious thing. It's just sort of routinized in the way that we sort of think about these sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I like how the, I feel like even though she is kind of set up as the, uh, villain, um, was it Jen? Yeah. Jen was the girl like Peter's like, 
girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend or whatever, uh, you know, this kind of uh, hatred that she had. But, you know, even though she's kind of the villain and you kind of don't like her, I like how at the end they kind of, they show the motivation behind her actions that she was holding on to this kiss that happened in uh, junior high uh, between yeah. the two and that, you know, and it's just as funny because the uh, once again, I keep referencing the last podcast we did, but the things I hate about you on that Tara talked about how uh, girls like just never forget when when uh somebody does them wrong or whatever and that's that in this moment i was like hey yeah this totally backs up uh tara's uh comments because <laughs> you know this girl was hanging on to this uh moment since junior high yeah. you know i like that th the fact that even in that moment laura jean can see a different perspective and you know we're always the heroes of our own stories right and so i like i like for you know as broad as that character was that they still kind of gave time to give her some, um, you know, kind of, I guess she, I mean, she still, you know, posted that photo or whatever, but, you know, still gave her like a little kind of made her more human, not just as cardboard. Yeah. Now it's, um, I appreciate it in that scene, them showing uh, Jen opening up and saying, I'm not as strong or as hard as people think I am on the outside. And Peter, Yes, I just call him Noah since you know, Noah is not as, you know, suave as he as he as he seems or whatever. The cinematography in that scene all in that scene also was quite interesting as well, actually, it was something that I noticed. But yeah, no. I appreciated them giving uh, a bit of depth to Jen in what would otherwise have been a rather one-dimensional sort of uh of teenage villain character. I thought that was rather rather cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. So, why why do you think so? There was obviously this was a su successful series, and uh, why do you think like uh, it this became such a hit? Because I mean, I do think it's a good movie. I I still wouldn't, you know, I, I almost want to say maybe it came out like Netflix was really hitting its stride in 2018. Maybe it was like came out at the right time at the right moment. Cause I don't see like a movie like this necessarily succeeding in the movie theaters. Yeah. Uh, so approximately 10 minutes before we started this podcast, I was talking to Bobble and the conclusion that we came to about this movie or Barbara, my, uh, my, my flatmate uh, and the conclusion that we came to is uh, this movie is good because it's camp. Okay. Yeah. Everywhere. Like uh, the iconic scene for me is the the hot tub scene where uh, when Laura Jean is speaking to to Peter and the camera is placed just so that you can see Noah Centineo's remarkable pectoral muscles such that you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> he's so hot. I want to come into the hot tub with him. Like that is the essence of camp. Like that is one of the reasons why I think this movie is a hit. It's why myself and Dora were so obsessed with it for a while. Is because it, it knows what it is. It embraces the tropes. Uh, it doesn't necessarily break new ground, but you know it's not trying to. And yet, it takes a novel concept of these letters got mailed, and they were never meant to be mailed, but here they are. And now I have to cringe my way through watching the the, the problem get fixed. And oh, I fell in love along the way. Is yeah, that not yeah. the campy teenage rom com, Nathan? <laughs> I know, <laughs> very much so. Uh, or were there any uh, were there any quotes that stood out to you uh, from this movie? 
I struggle to say quotes necessary or almost very nearly almost X'd out of the 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 Google call there. That would have been hilarious. Um, no, I, I struggle to say that there were quotes. Uh, however, I noticed that people kept, especially the guys, kept calling referring to other guys by their last name, which. I did that in youth and government because there was another Cameron, and so he was mm. Pennington and I was older. But I have never really done that, like, in my everyday life. I did not really do that in my everyday, like, life in, like, high school and such. Uh, it was something that I noticed, however. Uh, and I was thinking, this is one of those those moments that you can kind of tell that the movie was not necessarily written exclusively by high schoolers. How about you? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, I think this, this might've been a, and this makes me sound like super bro which I, I'm not, but in my fraternity, it was very much a thing where uh, people called each other by the last name. So uh, yeah. anyway, so it, it was very like in college, it, it would not be uncommon for a lot of people to say, Hey Chandler. So I think it works too that, you know, Chandler is also uh, a common first name as well, you know? So anyway, I, I always jokingly say I have three uh, first names, you know, I have my full name's Nathan Ross Chandler, but I also mm. say that's why Whitney married me. Cause she's a huge friends fan. And the fact that I had both Ross and Chandler in my name was a great, great upside. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. In college, for whatever reason, it was like always Chandler, you know, a lot of people call me Nate uh or or nathan so yeah, yeah um but yeah uh that that's funny i think it, i think maybe more when you get to the kind of like more macho type of areas maybe with like athletics or something where it's like fraternities and stuff maybe that's where you get a lot of those last names yeah i met friends on the you know edinburgh university women's rugby team and there's this one american girl there who her first name is charlotte but they all call her cody and we were watching a rugby game and i turned and asked why do they all call why do you all call her you know cody and they were like because you can't yell charlotte across a rugby pitch and i was like oh, fair <laughs> enough. yeah yeah that no that totally makes sense yeah, yeah um yeah not yeah this thing is definitely not the most quotable movie but i i did have i think it was tor towards the end but uh josh tells laura jean you've got to tell people how you feel when you feel it and i i, I liked mm -hmm. that sentiment a lot so um, most, most, you know, most rom-coms are always like, Hey, I'm going to some kind of proclamation of like how you feel or whatever like that. But, um, in, in that moment, you know, it's even, I liked how they built up, you know, that he kept trying to like talk to her, you know, and there's even a moment where, um, Laura Jean, uh, says, Hey, don't, let's talk about it. Don't just say whatever, or like, it's okay if we don't talk about it now, but I like mm -hmm. how this movie, this movie is like, you know, things, things are a lot better, uh, said than unsaid. So I liked, I liked that sentiment about it. I appreciate um, that sentiment too. Now that I think about it, there were two, uh, two quotes that stood out to me, not, um, quite as serious as, as you were, uh, describing or certainly not as in depth. However, um, she references, Laura Jean references James Dean, I think, at one point. And uh, Peter goes, you have the references of an 80-year-old woman. And the, the fact that it just came out like a snap was like, that is like Sor Aaron Sorkin-type dialogue. I would expect to see that on the West Wing. And yet here I am watching all the boys I've loved before. Uh, 
hearing that, which I which I strongly appreciated. And then on top of that, there was also the and this is going back a little bit to the to the to the cringe point that I had, which is that when you take a step back and think about the situation that you're in, Lara Jean, after the the, the video gets put on like Instagram, uh, says, "I can't believe I was in a pornographic video having never had sex before." <laughs> yeah, no, that yeah, those are funny. Yeah, I, I liked how they framed her character as kind of being a little bit like an older soul and I, yeah. I i did i did laugh at the moment too of the uh hand the hand in the back pocket of the jeans or whatever like that so because i i remember i remember in high school a, a couple of like it was like the odd couples that would kind of do that and for some reason it was always a little strange to me <laughs> unheard of for me i had never heard of that concept <laughs> i saw someone doing that in like the student union of my university, I'd be like, what in God's name is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't suggest that as a like a, a first move in any kind of relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of holding hands, could I, could I place my hand in your back pocket? <laughs> you, you mentioned the hot tub scene, which uh, I like, as you get older, it gets a little weirder to watch such scenes. I'll say, you know, as I'm getting, I guess, like as I'm getting the same age as the uh, dads in these movies and stuff. So th th those moments of like, you know, these are <laughs> high schoolers that were like watching make make out or whatever. I, I know this is a movie maybe made more like for teens or whatever like that. But all that said, I feel like they did a good job of the setting up that scene and that connection with them. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, that definitely was not my favorite scene. Uh, mine were <laughs> in particular, the two cafe scenes, one with her and Peter initially talking. And then when it comes back and she's in the same cafe with her dad and her dad's telling her a little bit about her mom and stuff. Those were the two that really uh, stuck out in my head. Were there any other uh, scenes that you liked? Those two scenes are, uh, are extraordinary. I, I enjoy the parallel, honestly, uh, between mm -hmm. her, you know, sort of rather awkward interaction with Peter that ends with Peter driving her home. And then, her talking about the sort of early courtship of of her dad and her mother. Um, regarding other scenes, of course, the hot tub scene, I appreciate it for its cringe. The scenes, and this is selfish because I'm this is my connection to the movie. All of the scenes with her older sister, in particular talking about Scotland, um, I found to be very, very good fun. Um, just just as a you know extraordinarily personal connection to the movie. You know, she mentions that, you know, when we go to pubs, the Scottish girls wear, you know, short skirts and whatever. And I was thinking to myself, no, they don't do that. But I totally see how you would tell your younger sisters that that happened because you want them to think you're cool. <laughs> and also in the movie, didn't I, I had it written down. Did she, she mention at one point she says you're a good crack? Yeah, she does. Uh, no one, I've never heard anyone say it in that context. <laughs> uh, I've heard people say good shout. Uh, you know, oh, that's a good shout. You're a good shout. Uh, I've also heard you're a good egg. I've been called a good egg. Uh, okay. But I've never been called a good crack. No, no. Yeah. And I'm assuming when somebody's calling you a good egg, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. No, I was, I was intentionally screwing up British slang. And my friend's boyfriend was like, Cameron, you're a good egg. I, I love you. Uh, and I felt very good, very, very good inside. 
Yeah. Um, and I thought also probably good, uh, you know, probably some people's favorite scenes might be at the beginning, the track scene where she uh, mm -hmm. basically mauls Peter because she doesn't know what else to do uh, in, in front of Josh oh, actually, and all that. that scene, yes. That's a good scene. Uh, and going back to the, the, the cringy aspect of this movie, but when you're what, 16 and you have no idea what to do because your reality has come crashing down because this very private part of you has suddenly been exposed to the very last people in the world you wanted to, to be exposed to. Screw it. I'm going to kiss this guy because I don't know what to do. I don't want this guy to think I like him. So I'm going to kiss the other guy. Movie musings. So in this movie, she, she writes these love letters, you know, it was kind of her therapeutic way of getting her feelings out. Uh, do you yourself keep any kind of sort of journal or diary or anything like that? I cannot say I do. I confide in my 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 close friends is what I do. Um, I try keeping a journal. I try keeping a journal of uh, experiences and 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 times I had in university. I began that in September of 2020 as I was sitting in my uh, international hotel quarantine or not hotel quarantine in my quarantine uh, in my dorm room. I made one entry and never touched it again. However. What I have learned is that I enjoy taking pictures of experiences that I've had that I appreciate. And when I look at the pictures, it transports me back to those moments and it awakens memories I didn't remember that I had. And so I will, uh, I take a lot more pictures than I did when I was in high school, which uh, is, is fun for me, especially, you know, when they're in, you know, interesting places that I had forgotten that I'd gone to or, you know, random nights that I'd forgotten that I'd had or whatever. So. Yeah. I guess you could say I keep a photo journal. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely, I mean, now it's so much easier uh, because there, I mean, on the other side of things, we were talking about how, you know, she, she gets bullied on social media, but also like for Whitney and I, we, you know, we have like time hop. And so you get every day we get a, a push notification and it's all the moments that have ha happened in the past. And so it is pretty cool. Like, um, I think in some regards, it'll be a little weird for our girls to grow up and just almost I could, I mean, they could probably almost document how they looked every day of their lives, which is kind of in one way kind of neat, but then also kind of creepy <laughs> in the same regard. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, but uh, you said you saying that like, it's fine. I, I've never kept a journal or anything like that. I honestly, mentally for me, I, you know, I, no surprise. I connect a lot of moments with movies and, uh, and even I like, I can, I tie it to like, I usually can remember who I've seen a movie with in the theater and that sort of thing. But, um, you said that remind me of a story. My freshman year in college, I had a group of friends and we decided to basically make a time capsule of sorts. And like we wrote letters to ourselves and we said we would go back our senior year and like dig it up or whatever like that. And I think we maybe have put a couple of little moment, like little trinkets in there too or whatever. And so anyway, we buried it for all uh, my Baylor friends out there. We buried it right behind this window in uh, Collins dorm, which was the girls dorm on Baylor's campus at the time. And when we go back our senior year, they have basically essentially built a brick wall around where where we had dug it and also we weren't smart enough either to really like mark where where we had dug this thing so we of course have to like 
I think we knocked on the girl's window where it reside. She opened the window and she let it like snuck us in to go through the back window into the courtyard where the time capsule was. And, mm -hmm. uh, but we, we did get it out, but we ultimately got busted too. But, uh, but reading that letter for like, even though it had only been four years, like kind of what I wrote to myself, uh, my freshman year, it, it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> so I, I think it's okay. Uh, good question here. I'm interested in how you answer this one. Uh, well, especially you, you kind of made reference. You, you kind of like darker movies, but they pose this question in this movie of, uh, what's your favorite John Hughes movie? Ah, uh, right. So, so I, I couldn't tell you who that is. <laughs> I figure that might be I figure that might be the answer. So yeah. Uh um so this this is how this movie brought in my generation by having such a discussion about John Hughes movies. So yeah, they talk about you know 16 candles, but he did he did the the Breakfast Club, uh Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um he he uh he didn't direct Home Alone, but he was one of the producers and writers of that movie. Okay. Um, so yeah. Um, what, so the other movie they did discuss, uh, that Peter talks about is fight club. Have you seen fight club? I am embarrassed to tell you that I have not. And, uh, my girlfriend, Charlotte Capers will, I know she, I know she's cringing right now, which is in, in line with the theme of this podcast and this movie, but yeah, no, I've not seen, have not seen fight club, although it's been on my list to watch for years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I know we'll want a fight club, which is you don't talk about fight club, but right, 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 exactly. No, uh, it is definitely a movie like I, I loved when it came out. This is definitely part of that. Probably what made it a, a cult hit. Now I haven't seen it in a long time. And I know a lot of people talked about that movie uh, recently because a lot of the themes that they've this, like basically for lack of better words, like white privileged men who feel this angst, out you know in our society it's actually like at the moment when it came out it kind of seemed extreme uh now uh not so much so so it, it almost kind of like forecasted a lot of behavior that at the time seemed a little crazy and now uh not so much <laughs> but yeah wow. uh, yeah um so uh was now you don't have to get into specifics here but uh could you ever connect was there ever a really good friend that you had that you ever wanted to be more than friends with? Did you ever, did you connect with her, uh, her feelings towards Josh? Did you ever have a relationship like that? Uh, my current girlfriend. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> we, um, okay. So you see, well, enjoy that. I'm rehashing this now. Um, yeah, no, we met at the conference on national affairs, which is, you know, uh, essentially the, sort of uber youth and government program, which is what uh, both myself and Charlotte Capers did. And we were in the same first committee and uh, I met her and she was extraordinarily smart and knew what she was talking about and clearly kind of dominated the room, which I was like, oh, wow, that's I she's really cool. I really like her. Uh, one thing led to another. I wore later hosen at the dance um, and there's many glorious pictures of that. Uh, and somehow we became friends, uh, and then began three and a half years of friendship. Most of those where I was like, I would love to be more than friends. Uh, and here we are now. So yeah, I, I have a lot of experience with that actually. <laughs> was, uh, was that when you finally, uh, expressed, put your feelings out there, uh, 
how uh, frightening was that, or or were you nervous about that? It was. Some, I was very nervous about it. It felt very natural, but at the same time, I was. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was very nervous about it, and yeah, yeah. It felt, <laughs> I, mean, I, felt like I was crossing the Rubicon there. Uh, yeah. As I mentioned earlier in the quote, you know, you got to tell people how you feel when you feel it. You did it and it, it paid off. <laughs> well, I didn't tell her how I felt when I felt it. I, I felt it or I told her after about three and a half years. But you know what? That's life. Hey, better late than never. <laughs> Rom-com rankings. So the first category is the romantic chemistry between the leads. So yeah. what do you what, what do you give uh, Laura Jean and uh, Peter here? Well, I've got to give it a solid four, or even a four and a half out of five, maybe even a five. Um, I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that the the leads themselves liked each other as as people. I, I looked it up on IMDb. Apparently, some of the posters in Lara Jean's room are actually of the cast enjoying themselves and hanging out on set in their off time uh, because they just genuinely had a, chem- a per- inter- interpersonal chemistry. Which I I really appreciated. Uh, I think it I think it bled through into the movie. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I'm with you there. I, I gave it I gave their relationship four hearts. I um, I, I thought I thought they did a. Re- you really do get to see them uh, grow as characters. And going off what you just said, I think I read that um, at one point you see her screensaver and it's the two of them or whatever. Apparently that picture was actually them just hanging out off a set mm-hmm. and like when their producers took it and so they decided mm-hmm. to use it for the screensaver uh mm-hmm. yeah now I, i've said in past podcasts that this uh part of what my higher ranking is is because of how i see them if i still see them together in the future now this being a teen romance you know uh and uh, i i don't know if this is the spoiler or whatever in the sequels are they always together or does it last uh so in uh, the second movie, John Ambrose, my model UN king, uh, shows up. I thought there was a little bit of a wrench in things, but in the end, they get back together. And then, okay. and the third movie, which I have not watched, but I've read the synopsis of, uh, involves them going off to college on opposite coasts and them not knowing if they should be together. But in the end, they decide to be together, which I do relate to. Okay, well there you go. Oh, I, th- I think that I think that uh, verifies our our rankings there. Um, yeah. th- the second category I have is the best friend. Um, so I thought you could, uh, you know, this sometimes kind of leans more into like other supporting characters. I, and I, I like to go off what the guest feels like. I, I think mm-hmm. two people could might be the best friend character here. You know, she definitely has Christine, uh, who is her buddy. Uh, in this movie and then also kitty her younger sister those were kind of the two that i saw uh yeah was there somebody else that you thought fit that category Nah, i really think that it's kitty takes the takes the cake here chris is not in the movie a huge amount and there's a, a good emphasis on the sisterly and family bonds um which are very strong in 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 lara jean's household so I mean, I, I think Kitty's the only game in town, really. I mean, you, yeah. I guess you could say the older sister, but she also yeah. doesn't feature because Lara Jean's scared to talk to her. So, 
yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenny's remi- uh, character remind me of uh, um, 500 Days of Summer, which we watched not too long ago. And he yeah. has like this y- younger, wiser sister. <laughs> it's almost like a character trope in these things that, you know, even though she's young, she's wise beyond her years. But yeah, I, I really do. I, I like the moments with Kitty in here. So framing that, like, what, what do you give Kitty as her character here? Uh, I'm sad to say that I have to give her more like three. And the problem with that is that I don't know that a sixth grader is that wise. Because mm-hmm. I too have been a sixth grader. I was not a wise sixth grader. <laughs> Certainly not in the realm of like social relationships. In which, you know, you're like, you, you have no experience as a sixth grader. You're just sort of spitballing. And yeah, no, I, it's like Kitty as a character when i suspended my disbelief lover but just like as a character i'm like really you're that wise yeah 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 no uh i i gave her three as well i like you i, I really like her character i think she kills the scenes that she's in still kind of question why she just put all those letters in the mail but uh <laughs> she provides a lot of comedic beats uh, she's definitely memorable. And I think that showcases in the fact that they're doing this uh, TV series just based on her character, you know? So um, yeah, I, I think you're, I think you hit it on the nail there. Um, okay. As far as the soundtrack, now this one might be a little hard because uh, being in this era and this movie coming out on Netflix exclusively, you know, uh, back in my day when you know the soundtracks were like big sellers. So basically there was not like an official soundtrack for this movie. I found a playlist on Spotify that seemed to pull a lot of the songs. So that's what I listened to. I don't know. Did you have a chance to listen to the soundtrack? I literally, as you were saying that I was making a very confused face because I was not aware that there was a soundtrack to this movie. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's fair. We've done it before. Like kind of in a, I'll say for the real quick, just on the soundtrack, at least the uh, playlist I listened to and I looked quickly looked, it seemed to match a lot of the songs that were like in the end credits. Um, mm. I, w- I actually was a little surprised uh, how much I like this music. A lot of people say, you know, the music you always end up loving is kind of when you were uh like when you were a teenager and stuff, that's kind of still the music that you listen to, even when you're, you know, yeah. you think of like the music your parents probably still listen to. It's probably when they were like in high school and college. Uh, so that said, so a lot of the songs I did not know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. So I gave it three and a half. Not all of them worked for me, but as I listened to it, there was actually a couple of songs that I hearted on Spotify that like put it on your kind of light songs. So that surprised me. So I give it three and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody was like ranked it much higher who maybe, you know, grew up with these artists and stuff. So I think it's, it's, I think it's definitely worth listening to. It didn't ostracize me as much as I thought it might've. <laughs> so Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the fourth category I have is the chase scene or the declaration of love uh, nice. that, that moment. And so uh, I, I think you can definitely say it's pretty much the end of this movie where, uh, she finds Peter at the lacrosse field who he's like totally by himself. Um, and there's no yeah. other, <laughs> there's no other equipment to be seen. Um, yeah, it's convenient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, what would you rank this moment? Oh, there's a certain catharsis to it, man. I don't know. Three and a half. Okay. Four. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of, um, I'm like, 
I kind of like you. I was like, okay, he's on the lacrosse team alone. This is quite obviously a parallel of one of those opening scenes. But at the same time, it, there is that catharsis moment. Um, and, you know, you know that it's about to happen. I mean, I, I appreciate that it parallels to a degree the opening, the very opening scene where she's imagining herself walking across a field of like sunflowers or something, mm -hmm. uh, kissing, you know, Josh. And like the lighting is the exact same. They're almost the exact same, it seems like. So, yeah. you know, three and a half, verging on four. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I gave it three. I, I felt like it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of weak in the moment. Like you, I, I, I see the tie back to, you know, all these kind of romance uh, stories that she uh, liked to engulf in uh, and everything. But yeah, uh, it just kind of, I, I felt like it wrapped things up really, really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, said it. I was like, okay, now we're, now the movie's over, you know? So, yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it, I think there could, it could be worse, but it's not, yeah. it's not really what I remember most about this movie. Um, okay. So it, the last, the last, uh, the last category is rewatchability. Uh, what, what would you give this? Having rewatched it, uh, for this, for this specific podcast, a solid, um, I give it a three and a half again because there's certain moments where certain things happen in the background, like you see in the the, the confrontation scene on Christmas when everything goes kaput. Uh, you see um, Josh walk up. You see like his shadow uh, walking across the screen before they cut back to Peter, and then cut to Josh saying, "She told you to you know go away or whatever." Um, so, to an extent, you know, you start to see certain things that you didn't see before, which is, you know, to this movie's credit, uh, they probably made it with that sort of rewatchability idea in mind. That said, I don't know. To an extent, it's a comfort movie, but I've had, I have many, many others that are cringier and, yeah, a little bit cringier that I will go to as a comfort movie uh, before <laughs> to all the ones I've loved before. Yeah. Um, I, I gave this a solid three. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it was a movie I'd seen before. Um, and I, the fact that I couldn't remember anything about it really going into this kind of, you know, reflects that. But I will also say, I thought I, I was surprised that I enjoyed this movie when I kind of saw that this one was on the list. I was kind of like, why is that on the list? I could see, I could see the argument for it. Um, for sure. And so um, definitely, I mean, it was in the moment uh, still uh, there were some things maybe where I don't quite uh, want Hallie to watch it yet, but um, I thought, uh, I thought that I was like, Oh yeah, this is definitely um, a, a movie I would rec recommend to people, especially yeah. uh, if they're looking for something to just kind of kick back and enjoy and, and, you know, not think too much about it, but but now I'm mad though because I watched it on Netflix and now all I'm getting is like advertisements for all the other movies. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't as much as much as I, I like this movie, I, I don't really have a desire to see uh, the other installments. Recommendations for our recommendations uh, section. Is, is there anything that you're watching or listening to or reading that you think people should check out? Ah, yes. You suggested that it could include music. That was a yeah. mistake. That was a mistake, my friend. Um, because I've been listening to a lot of 80s Euro pop. Okay. <laughs> which I acknowledge is a very American expat thing to say. But 
my god man it's on another level um there is a song called chai spelled chi like the like the latte chai tea latte uh that was a 1982 eurovision that almost won that i listen to very regularly okay um, <laughs> there's also a italian band called ricky e poveri um with a song called mama maria which is a perfect introduction to their to their work that i listen to quite literally every day sometimes in the library while i'm reading about the ethiopian civil war in tigray which is a very uh interesting juxtaposition but it's one that i make work so yeah no euro pop man Once okay. you pop, you can't stop <laughs> that's funny i well you say in 80s music i i do want to shout out i mentioned the soundtrack uh i do one of my favorite songs of all time i've just always loved it is everybody everybody wants to rule the world uh by tears for fears and that's the song that uh her dad plays on the radio in the cafe, the song that he says, you know, her mom danced to all the time. I've always loved that song. Like one of my favorites, one of my favorite songs to run to actually. And the fact that this movie used that song, like, yeah, good, uh, big kudos to them about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to suggest um, we just started the second season of it. It just came out on Apple TV, but Schmigadoon, uh, <laughs> which uh, is, uh, basically a spoof on musicals. Uh, so the first season, this couple who's kind of at odds end up in this kind of magical land of uh, it's a they're they're in a musical. And the first season was on a Oklahoma type esque musical, uh, bright colors and stuff like that. It, it's um, now if you don't like musicals, uh, you won't like the show. But <laughs> if you if you love musicals, you'll love it. Uh, the songs themselves are hilarious but also very well done choreograph uh the choreography is amazing um the, it's an all-star cast you'll recognize tons of people from it but the second season that just started uh is a spoof off of the darker musicals uh, of those like chicago and like <laughs> fossey type of things and so i love that they just have gone a different direction in musicals you know and so uh anyway i've been enjoying it so far but once again i want to front if you don't like musicals <laughs> He won't like this show, but if you do, yeah. if you do, uh, you'll love it. So that's my recommendation. Yeah. So, uh, well, next week uh, we're actually going to take a break from the rom coms list and talk about one of my favorite movies from a set of my uh, favorite, one of my favorite directors. We're going to talk about The Big Lebowski, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Uh, are you a Coen Brothers movie, th- uh, Coen Brothers fan? Yeah, I got to be honest, haven't seen that movie. Okay. Have you seen any Coen Brothers films? It is very likely that I have. However, uh, one step is getting to watch a movie. The other step is getting me to remember who made the movie. So, you know, uh, why don't I look them up? Oh, oh, Brother, where art thou? I love that movie. Yeah. uh, Fargo. I've seen that uh, one. Raising Arizona. uh, No Country for Old Men. Um, anyway, they're, yeah, they're, they're one of my all time favorite, uh, uh, directors. And, um, and one of my friends posted about this movie celebrating its 25th anniversary. It's actually, uh, going to be released in select theaters. Um, I think April 16th, uh, weekend. And so I thought it'd be a good time to kind of revisit that movie, uh, take a little break from this, uh, list. So anyway, that, that should be a fun discussion. Uh, as, as always check out moviesarelife.com for episodes, reviews, and more. 
Uh, please rate and follow us on all your favorite streaming platforms. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify right now or even Apple, stop right now. It won't take but a second and give us a high rating. This helps us grow our audience and gain more listeners. Uh, I wanted to thank you again, Cameron, for uh, coming on and uh, working through the uh, time difference here <laughs> and, <laughs> and finally getting to connect and talk about this movie. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on again. Uh, I see I did not scare you to, away too much when we discussed Gandhi. Um, it is 11.10 at the moment. So, yeah. Huzzah. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I should promise you that next time we will talk about a very dark movie. <laughs> Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> I'll ask you, Nathan, I will ask you so many philosophical questions and ethical questions. You'll want to tear your hair out as much as I want to tear my hair out on a regular basis. Well, I, I I need that challenge. I still at my age, I still have my hair, so maybe <laughs> maybe maybe I should be wary of that. But anyway, well, uh, thanks again, uh, everyone, for listening, and uh, ha have a great week.